Good morning and happy Friday. It's a privilege to be speaking this morning and also worshiping with you. My name is Andrew Parker and I'm the Vice President for Student Development and also serve as the Dean for Student Conduct and Community Standards. How are you liking the One Chapel so far? Good? Okay. From what I've heard, the people I've talked to, it seems to be going pretty well. Um, I will say I personally have some mixed feelings about it. When I agreed to speak in today's service, I was nervous but also relieved that I would only be speaking in one service and not two. However, there's also some pressure that if I really mess things up, there's no chance to redeem myself. So it's kind of a little pep talk for myself. So let's dive in. I want to start off by highlighting a new small group model or concept that we're, going to, we're thinking about rolling out on campus. So I've got a video that kind of explains the concept a little more. There's probably things that we've always, or you know, at different times that all of us had wanted to keep shallow at times, usually to protect ourselves. On Monday, when Jake and Liz, um, some other RDs on the student development staff, tag-teamed here in chapel, they spoke about vulnerability and ended their message with the following line from C.S. Lewis, to love is to be vulnerable. They engage the idea that we cannot simply expect others to be vulnerable, but we must also be willing to let others see our imperfections as well. Today I want to talk to you about vulnerability from the, the flip side, the other side of vulnerability, the side called courage. We often think of being vulnerable as something that we do when we have something going on in our lives, um, something we need to share, something that we need to reach out to others to seek help for, something that requires us to open ourselves up for potential criticism. However, I would contend that we can also put ourselves into vulnerable positions when we courageously engage in hard and difficult conversations, uh, specifically with those who are close to us. We become vulnerable because, really, we're potentially taking the risk of losing a relationship or creating a rift in that relationship. Jake and Liz also mentioned a researcher named Brene Brown, and she states, you can't get to courage without going through vulnerability. When we open ourselves up by being vulnerable, our courage increases. And, but what also increases, increases is our ability to, to be empathetic, um, to, to relate to others, and to show compassion. Brene Brown goes on to say, vulnerability is the birthplace of love, belonging, joy, courage, empathy, creativity. It's a source of hope, accountability, there's that word again, and authenticity. So how does courage apply to difficult conversations? Well, in order to keep things manageable and to keep my message under 15 minutes, let's focus on one of the scariest types of difficult conversations, holding someone accountable. First, let's look at that word, accountability. It's a scary word. A uh, shallow small group avoids it like the plague. But it's a buzzword in Christian circles. It literally means, the word accountability means to give account for your actions or to be held responsible. And I'm sure I could ask for a show of hands. Uh, perhaps some of you have served as accountability partners or asked someone to be an accountability partner for you. 
Um, and usually the, the concept of accountability partners, it's connected with the idea that someone has a very specific struggle that they're dealing with, usually something like pornography or gossiping. And what they do is that individual recruits someone to hold them accountable, to follow up with them on that struggle. Now, while we are all familiar with this concept of accountability, it's not something we're very good at. How many of you are familiar with the phrase, you do you? You heard that? Raise your hand. Okay, yeah. You do you, and I'll do me. Okay. But I heard this for the first time a couple years ago. It's pretty catchy. And on one hand, it, it could portray vulnerability, like be the person God created you to be. In a different light, though, it could also mean, hey, do your thing, I'll do mine, nobody gets hurt, it's all good. And too often, this is the message that we convey, whether it's by our actions or, in this case, maybe lack of action, lack of holding others accountable, holding ourselves accountable. And I would propose that this line of thought, this second line of thought, is not what we're called to as Christians. In one of the earliest stories of the Jewish people, Cain killed his brother Abel. God, who knew exactly what happened, he always does, asked Cain where Abel was. And Cain replied, am I my brother's keeper? While we cannot be the absolute keepers of each other, and ultimately we're each responsible for our own decisions, we are each other's keeper in that we are not to commit acts of violence toward one another, and we are to exhibit love toward one another. 1 Peter 3.8 tells us, Have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Sometimes love must correct, but it must be done appropriately. I want to make something clear, and you've heard this before, but holding someone accountable is not the same as judging them. Scripture's pretty clear on that. Jesus exemplified this in his interactions uh, with the woman who was caught in adultery. Difficult conversations have to be done in the spirit of love and reconciliation. Galatians 6.1 says, If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. And likewise, we've all heard 1 Corinthians 13. In fact, we heard the whole thing this morning, right? Usually, like Katie said, you hear it at a wedding. Love is patient, love is kind, and so on. But how does that passage end? It states... But these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Love is what should drive us as followers of Christ and should be the spirit that we convey when we have difficult conversations. Now, you might ask, wouldn't such a conversation where I'm holding somebody accountable potentially be uh, really awkward and difficult? Tell me about it. I've often joked that my title should not be the Dean for Student Conduct, but the Dean for Awkward Conversations. That's what I spend a decent amount of my time here at IWU doing. And there's a reason why it can be occasionally awkward. Because while accountability from an institutional standpoint does have to take place sometimes, it's not the most natural or the most preferred way. And this is one reason why it's important for each of us to surround ourselves with solid people who can fill this role Self-accountability should be our first line of defense, and it should work the majority of the time, but it's going to fail because we all fail. And when we do, hopefully you've surrounded yourself with some people who you can be vulnerable with and who can courageously speak truth into your life.
On Monday, Jake and Liz also talked about forced vulnerability. You might even call it fake vulnerability, where one overshares and goes too deep too quickly without sharing things over time within the context, the context of a relationship that's been developed and, and cultivated. The same can be said about courageously having difficult conversations and holding others accountable. Again, while there are exceptional times where a difficult conversation needs to be had outside that context of a strong personal relationship, kind of like the ones that I have as the Dean for Awkward Conversations, it should most often and will most naturally occur between two people who've been vulnerable with one another, enough to the point that they've gone through vulnerability to a place of authenticity, transparency, and courage. It's kind of like how you don't want anybody to see you in the morning, that first thing in the morning that you don't really know very well. You know, if, if someone that you didn't know showed up at your door, you open it up, you got hair going everywhere, you got dragon breath, um, your comfy PJs, which let's be honest, PJs are usually comfortable because they're the rattiest, most well-worn clothes we own. Amen, right? <laughs> If people, if someone like that that you didn't know showed up and you were in that state, your first reaction would probably be shock, embarrassment, maybe, maybe sometimes anger or frustration that you didn't have time to get ready, you're, you're trying to hide behind the nearest wall or the door you can find. But it's different if it's someone that you've known for quite some time, like a family member. If, if that's the case, if it's somebody you know, maybe even your roommate, you don't really try to hide anything. And why is that? It's because you have a relationship that's been built with them. They've seen you at your best, and they've seen you at your worst, and they still accept you. If they said your breath stunk, you might be a little self-conscious, and you might still go brush your teeth. But that conversation would not be as shocking or difficult to accept as it would be from someone who didn't know you. It's because you've come to a place in that relationship with them through enough vulnerability that you have the courage to have difficult conversations and the courage that the relationship that you've forged with them can handle such exchanges. I want to make a quick note. Such conversations need to happen face-to-face -face if at all possible. We all know, we don't need to get into it, but we all know texting, email, other electronic means can be misread. They can come across as short, even impersonal. So just convey information with those. And if you need to have a difficult conversation, try to do that face-to-face. -face. The last thing I want to say about accountability and this concept of difficult conversations that we, we should have and be able to have with the people we're closest to is that they have to go both ways. We can't expect others to receive what we feel compelled to say if we're not able to be a recipient of that as well. So be proactive and let the closest people to you know that you expect that and would appreciate that type of communication. And we also have to be vulnerable enough with ourselves and know ourselves well enough to have the courage to admit when we are wrong and we need to be held accountable. We don't like being held accountable as humans. It's not something that we naturally want to do. But it's easier within the context of a relationship that you're confident in. So take it a step further and don't wait for somebody to come to you if you know you messed up. You know, initiate that conversation if you need to apologize. 
College is a wonderful time. It's a unique time. I mean, when else are you going to live in such close community with hundreds of other people? Um, really, the only other time I can think of is if maybe you were in prison. Uh, <laughs> not to say college is prison. It's awesome. It's wonderful. Okay? But due to this closeness, things happen fast. Things happen in hyperspeed. Think back to how quickly and deeply some of your relationships have been formed here at Indiana Wesleyan. I mean, it makes sense. You live together 24-7. You have highs and lows together. You have stressors you know, that you're going through, celebrations, common experiences that unite you, even like chapel. It's no wonder people... Some people get engaged after a year of dating or even married. Not that I'm advocating for that, okay? We have some angry parents. But in reality, I don't know, the best way I can think of it is college years are like dog years. You know, what is it that one year of people years is like seven years to a dog, right? I think some type of cor correlation could be the same for college students in college. But that's a whole other discussion, and that's, I guess, how my brain works. But the point is that given how much is compressed into your time here at IWU, again, highs and lows, all these things going on together, conflict is bound to happen and difficult conversations are going to be needed. Begin by being vulnerable with yourself and then with some others that you grow to trust so that you, so that we can be a community of Christ followers who hold each other accountable and can have conversations courageously, vulnerably, and above all things, in love. Thank you.